Welcome to Trail Effect episode 34. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. Episode 34 features Ryan Craft, a co-founder of Rad Apparel Company. Rad Apparel Company was founded in 2019 with the ethos to ride all day, otherwise known as Rad. The co-founders of Rad Apparel Company, brothers Ryan and John, find great value in trails and trail communities. Take a listen to this show and learn what it takes to start a company from the ground up and what trails mean to Rad Apparel Company. Additional support for Trail Effect comes from Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Smith's is a full-service bike shop that is a retailer for Trek Bicycle Company and Salsa Cycles. Smith's also has a full line of components and accessories from Bontrager and other various companies. For more information about Smith's Bike Shop, go to www.smithsbikes.com. A special thanks goes out to Ben Wellenek of Mountain Bike Radio for supporting this podcast and to the people who have shared their time and knowledge. Without this, we would not have these stories to tell. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. Here we are at Trail Effect. I have Ryan Kraft here from Rad Ride All Day Apparel. They are based out of the Front Range in Colorado. And they're a newer apparel company that really likes to get back or get into the grassroots side of, of mountain biking. And that's how they got on my radar. So how's it going today, Ryan? Good, good. How are you? Doing great. So let's get into your backstory about what inspired you and your brother, who is also your business partner on this, to really kind of kick off this whole rad thing and, and the fact that you're able to get ride all day <laughs> as, a, well, as, as a company. It was crazy. I mean, it was probably back in 2019. We had you know we i have a background in the cycling industry so i we always wanted to start something having you know seen the cycling industry from the inside out and all these different apparel companies and my brother came to me one day and it was like hey what about rad what is you know what's, what what you think rad is available ride all day and i was like there's no way no way this is available but lo and behold we go to the, the you know the patent trademark site look all of the research there and it, it's there. Nobody has ever tried to copyright or trademark anything in that regard. So it was crazy to one, see that it was even available and two, knowing that, okay, this is a real thing. We can, we can start now and, and run with it now that we have a concrete idea and a logo that actually meshes with the cycling community and how we all actually want to live our lives <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. So how did you get into the cycling industry? So it was, it was back in college. I want to say it was 2010 or so. Going to college in uh, Denver. Actually living with my brother at the time. And we decided to buy these like $300 treks. They were just awful hardtails. Um, so my brother wanted to try something new and immediately fell in love with it the first second we rode um for any any local riders here we rode spruce mountain for the very first ride and thought that whole two mile loop was the just god's gift to the world and from there on out you know it was we were pretty much riding every day we could and we had actually had a there was a job opening at the performance bike 
in Denver, which is at what's actually their busiest location in the country. And I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I know, I know something about bikes and, you know, applied. They hired me and threw me to the wolves selling, you know, all things cycling. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew I liked bikes. And, but it was a good learning experience to get thrown into like a store that's that busy all the time. It was kind of, it kickstarted having the knowledge base and seeing that volume of customers to where you could. I learned a lot in, you know, three years what it would have taken somebody at a mom and pop shop ten to to figure out just based off of how busy those stores are. Yeah. So prior to the mountain biking, did you have a any kind of background in two wheels? Um, motocross. I was big into dirt biking growing up. That was always a you know passion of mine. Fell off a little bit when I went to college just because it's hard to you know carry this dirt bike around especially when you got no place to live and put the thing and all that good stuff so it was right when i went to college is when i stopped motocross but then it kind of just picked right back up with the mountain biking so a little bit of experience on two wheels but definitely not the you know typical grew up riding a bmx bike type of thing i definitely would say i found it a little bit more late in life yeah motocross is definitely a lot of a lot of crossover athletes that do both uh, mountain biking and motocross, especially because if you ride all day on a motocross bike, yeah. you're, probably, you're probably injured sometimes. Yep. yep. <laughs> and I've been there, done that one. It's, you know, I actually both yeah. more, more of my injuries came on the mountain bike, but nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. So you guys, you guys started this, I believe in 2019. Mm-hmm. What was it like getting a company going from pretty much just a, the idea of, of a brand or a logo? It's it's fu- tough because I think we experienced like every hiccup you could have in starting a company. It was one we didn't know what we were doing as far as you know we knew we knew the cycling industry and what we wanted, but we had no idea how to make it. You know, it's it's like whoa, okay, we're gonna make a jersey. Where do you go to get materials for a jersey? Where do you how do you develop your own you know pattern with what you're going to send to these people. And so we started on the casual side first to at least start generating some revenue just because t-shirts and stuff like that is, it's a lot easier to, you know, find a already made shirt as opposed to a Jersey. So we started with that, with just casual stuff. Um, Our first shirt was a bamboo shirt that we actually did, uh, which was super cool in theory, but it did not work in real life. You wear these things once, and it's like a bacon collar. So <laughs> that was that was a pretty steep learning curve immediately. Like, okay, don't use bamboo for these things. So then after that, we we very quickly switched over to a, a tri blend. Then we found a manufacturer that could do recycled materials with Reprieve, which is made out of recycled plastic bottles, which is super cool. Then they have a great feel to them, and that was when we saw those. We're like, oh no, that's that's our shirt. That's you know what we're gonna do for all of our casual line going forward. They're still technical enough to ride in and, you know, look normal after where you're hanging out at the brewery afterwards. And so we really just ran with that all of 2019 and got into as, as many events as we could. Uh, everything from the Vale Outlier Festival to the uh, Eagle Outside Festival, GoPro Mountain Games we tried to even get into, but they they want insane money to especially as a newer brand to 
you know, represent a tent there. So 2019 was good. Yeah, you know, we we just figured out how to develop a jersey. So that was kind of one of the things we shot for in when spring 2020 came around. We launched our first jersey, the Trail Chaser jersey. Uh, and that was at the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival. We came in there and, you know, didn't have a booth or anything like that just because we were a little late to the game. And there was a lot of, you know, hey, if you've had a prior booth there, all those guys get precedent. So there just wasn't any space. So we just said, hey, we're, we're going to just wear our jerseys around and guerrilla market it to every tent we go to <laughs> type of thing. Talk to everybody we can talk to, you know, try and drum up some interest. And that was really the last event we had done till this year, basically, as far as Sedona. And then obviously we all know COVID. Yeah, that would have, yeah, Sedona Mountain Bike Festival, like the last time it happened was, was like maybe three weeks before COVID was yeah. in full gear. We were surprised they even still to let it go on, honestly. We were kind of like, hey, they, they haven't said anything. They're, they're still having it. So we're, we're going to drive the 12 hours out to Sedona and, and go. It, and yeah, it went off without a hitch. It was a great time. And then, yeah, literally right after that, we all know the world shut down. Yeah. So you talked about reprieve and you talked about bamboo. There seems to be kind of a theme you have going there where you want to use uh, either recycled or more natural type of materials. What's the, mm-hmm. what's the thinking behind that? I, for us, it was always something where, especially in casual wear, it's so easy to take the shortcut and have, you know, a, a Hanes beefy cotton tee that you'd printed a, a horrible logo on, you know. And that for us was kind of the paramount thing is we're not going to put this out unless this stuff is dialed. You know, we did this, the shirt, the screen printing isn't going to crack in a year. It's not going to shrink and fade and all that kind of stuff. So it was, we would much rather take the high road and use these nicer materials that are you know more sustainable. Yes, they're more expensive and we have, you know, it's harder to have a, you know, a sustained profit that way, but that's the road we'd have rather take and not, try not contribute to <laughs> destroying the earth any further. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if, you know, especially a lot of like just tease you get from events and that they, they do obviously have a, a budget they try to st- stick within and you got to wonder how many of those t-shirts actually get used for a, a very long time, you know? So yeah, we didn't, we didn't want it to be the typical giveaway shop t-shirt that you, know, you could tell this thing's garbage the second you put it on. We'd rather have, oh no, this is this feels you know luxurious and silky. I'd, I'd actually wear this, not you know a one-time purchase that that's just gets put in the sock drawer and turn, ends up as an oil rag in <laughs> in two years for somebody. Yeah. So since you guys have have gone that route, what has some of your feedback been as far as the product itself and, and maybe some of the shops you've gotten into? It's been great because I think we were one of the first. I think companies to do it. Obviously, we're at such a smaller scale and we couldn't market it like, you know, how Pearl Azumi this past year, now they have a bike style line. You're like, come on, we we did that a year ago with the recycled materials that you guys are just now getting to the game on, which that was nice to know that our ideas were validated for what we were trying to do after we didn't really, there wasn't a ton of companies we saw that were doing stuff out of recycled material before like when we came out with our jerseys and now that we're starting to see them pop up it's it's really good validation to know 
we're we're on the right path with that stuff. Yeah, but it's you know we get great feedback from uh, the shops we're in a lot of the time, especially on our our casual like the shirts. They they're like, oh wow, no, that's I didn't know that was recycled. Like, yeah, man, look at the label. It's yeah, these about six recycled plastic bottles in, in every shirt. Yeah, that's they use tree fiber as opposed to you know anything that takes more intensive means to farm. Like obviously, like virgin polyesters, pretty terrible for the environment for the most part. But it's sometimes a necessity to get the technical features you want out of the out of the garment. But a lot of people were really excited that we were able to do that and the jerseys in the same you know, reprieve material, which they've been great because that's reprieve is such a massive company to where their those fabrics are getting more readily available in different you know colors and stuff like that obviously the jerseys are sublimated so we don't care what color they are for for that but to keep things fresh on the the casual line is helpful to have more options out there yeah yeah for sure so you know back one of my uh, a really good friend of mine and i when we were working on how to get trails pushed through into communities we joke around that we live on the edge of incompetency mm-hmm. I, I assume that's a lot a lot of the same when you're trying to run a business that you never ran before and get get it like literally launched. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, I do. How's, how's that learning curve been? It was it's good because I think we took a good route with not taking out some crazy million dollar business loan or taking on investors to get our idea off the ground. Where it was, yeah, it's been a lot slower to build because we don't have all that money to just kickstart something. But I think it helped because we were able to make a lot of small decisions over the past couple of years that really helped fine tune it without you know going in over our heads and having too much inventory and this and that the jerseys are what really was the craziest learning curve that you know we'd ever been through for anything really because it's the the amount of help that you get from anyone when it comes to like the textile world or Anything like that is pretty much next to none. So you go to these places like, okay, well, let's go to a seamstress. Like, can can a seamstress sew what this pattern is? I don't know. Sure. And we had one seamstress where it was like, okay, we we had a base jersey for the style we wanted, and you know the the aesthetic with kind of the flat collar that we're that we're going with, and it was that worked for a while. But then it's like, okay, now we need sublimation because we want to have graphics. We can't just screen print all these things afterwards. Okay, where do you find somebody? Where do you find a sublimation person? What do you, you type that into Google and hope something comes up kind of thing? And that's literally what we did. And then we found a different manufacturer that was, okay, they can, it looks like they can do it. But now they want the, the digitized files for all the size runs. We're like, I don't even know what that is. A little. <laughs> and, like I think my brother literally went into this place with like the prior person had like hand drawings on like newspaper clippings of what it, like what was our pattern basically, and that's like the level of like not knowing what we were doing initially was it was almost comical for how the the amount of hurdles we had to jump through that stuff we didn't even know that you know for a typical. Pearl Zumi or, you know, Castelli or any of these big manufacturers are like, oh, no, that's, yeah, that's nothing. And that those were the big ones. We were like, okay, now we got to digitize this before 
you know, and you're like 10 grand in the hole before you even have like a prototype jersey in your hands by the time it's all said and done. But that was, yeah, that was nice because, yeah, the, the casual wear that didn't take as much technical know how kind of helped. Yeah, you know, we've, we've just dumped everything back into the company. We've never paid ourselves, you know, anything from any profits. So that helped a lot with being able to fund the jersey we wanted without you know, taking on money and investors. Did you guys do a bunch of prototypes or just a handful of both your casual on that launched and your and when you went into the jersey side of things? So the casual side, those those original bamboo ones were the prototype to see what you know what type of prints worked best on there. And that goes back to like a quality thing where you see companies out there like Say Fast House, for instance, great company, solid, you know, dudes, been in the motocross game forever. I love their stuff, but you see a lot of it, it looks like it's, it's heat pressed on. Well, they'll take a jersey that they, you know, then heat press their logo and stuff. And that's how you get good margins with being able to put out 19 different colors of the same jersey where we didn't want to take that. No, we're going to use the highest quality screen printing we can get where we know this is going to last. It's going to wash well and, you know, all of that. So the bamboo shirts were originally the what we tested out all those screen printing things on. You know, what, who, whoever knew there was you know seven different types of screen printing from plastisol to water based. To, you know, there's like seven different ways you could print on a t-shirt, and so that helped because we we found a partner in Denver that was able to screen print them at scale at the quality that we wanted, and they've been great. You know, ever since then, and. With the jerseys, that there was probably like four prototypes that we did before we even had the sizing and all the scaling and all that digitized uh, beforehand. And those were okay. And what a lot of what we found was as we were starting to get the jersey design dialed, it was getting harder and harder to find raw material because of COVID. So we'd call the manufacturer and say, oh, no, they don't have two-way stretch, we got four-way stretch. And it's like, oh, well, I don't know how that's going to react to, you know, they, they stitch different, they dye different when you put them through a dye sublimation machine. It's a completely different ballpark. So a lot of it was trying to navigate the supply issues with getting the raw materials while dialing in the fit. So the jerseys have been a lot more wild of a ride as far as having material that we know we can consistently count on being the same material <laughs> and all that stuff, but then having it where you can actually print on it consistently, that type of thing. Yeah. So we're transitioning out of COVID. What do you guys, uh, what do you guys see yourselves doing in the future as far as events? Um, are you going to stick local? Are you going to try to say hit Sedona Mountain Bike Festival again, since that got moved into the fall of 2021? So we actually were able to get approved as an actual vendor for Sedona, which was awesome this year. We get, we finally got the email and got our spot paid for and everything about three weeks ago. So that's definitely one of the huge events that you know we plan on being at in full force. Uh, but a lot of it's been, you know, like the grassroots stuff here with like the local shops that we work with that carry our stuff. Uh, you know, everything from bike demo days at this shop to you know, we'll go to a farmer's market. I don't care as far as, you know, if there's people there that, you know, may, may like the stuff, like, oh, I'll show up and, you know, sell something to them. It was kind of 
that's been nice. Just the quantity of smaller events is really what's helped us, especially in Colorado Springs. With there's a couple called the like the Denver Bazaar is a big you know weekly market in Denver, which we've attended a couple of times. Yeah, and even just yeah, you know, like those bike demo days or everything. We got invited to a a whiskey release at a distillery in Denver to you know bring some stuff. So it's just a lot of those cool little grassroots events that sometimes have nothing to do with necessarily cycling, but the outdoor industry too, which that was really cool. So we've just been able to hit like, you know, one to two of those a week almost and you know, really help get our name out there and actually, you know, talk to people. Like e-commerce is one thing, but I think it always I think it's gonna go back to like people just want to actually talk to somebody and, you know, live that lifestyle and you know, oh you we're all at the events together, everybody's hanging out, having a good time. It feels a little more meaningful when you, you know have those interactions as opposed to somebody just clicking buy and ship on the computer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting with rad ride all day. That can mean so many different things to so many different people. It's not, it's Mm -hmm. not niche. Yeah. And that's what I really enjoy about it is we can, we can take it all those different directions, even with, you know, the motocross background, I'd love to do, a long sleeve jersey, you know, make a few changes to it. And now we can kind of get out there to the the motocross community and a lot of those events. And because it is so similar with you know, all of those, the top riders and everyone, they all cross train on the other thing. You know, most dirt bikers all cross train on, on mountain bikes and road bikes all the time. So it's, I think that's a really good area that I'd love to get into and, you know, connect with those folks. And even stuff like road cycling, so the uh, like road cycling and gravel riding and all those things, I that's that's a huge you know amount of people that I think we could reach that we haven't been able to yet. But because you know our name is so far reaching and our ethos and the lifestyle we want to live is you know, kind of all encompassing to the heck skiing, snowboarding, even yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It's been really nice to see all those opportunities and you know it's something nice to work for we're okay we can you know we can really grow this how we want to without having to be too tchotchke for lack of a better word you know come out with a colorado t-shirt like everybody out there and you know we'd we'd rather keep it a little little classier (laughs) yeah yeah for sure so you guys are in some bike shops let's talk about that you you know what where can somebody get some of your stuff locally? So our main shops that we have here are Routes Outfitters. Uh, they're right here on the west side of town in Colorado Springs. Uh, they've been great. They were the first shop to take us on. And that was they opened their shop at the beginning of COVID. And I talked with them prior about carrying some stuff. And he's like, hey, no, we're, we're full bore. We're going to open regardless of COVID because, you know, People are outside. People need more of a resource for basically like bike rentals, gear rentals, all that kind of stuff. So I really liked the fact that they were still kind of going to move forward with trying to build something and not get sidetracked. And, you know, they had said, hey, no, we'd love to carry your stuff. And I was like, oh, perfect. You know, so they, I really enjoyed those guys because they, they were one of the first shops to really, you know, one, give us a shot. It's, it's tough to go into some of these 
more established bike shops and oh no i've already got fox and troy lee and you know a few different other brands i think i think we're good so to be able to get in on the ground floor of something really cool that was really special and we have another shop called twisted spoke apothecary uh that's carrying our stuff here now as well um they focus more on the recovery side of things with uh different cbd and uh you know things of that nature so they have really built a nice following in that regard but they also have just a killer little custom section of parts that like you can't find anywhere i found like three different parts that nobody else had but somehow they had them in multiple colors which was super cool because it's just like you know where am i going to find a rainbow colored oval chain ring like a titanium oil slick and i was like yeah nobody's got this he's oh no we got two of them man yeah cool okay sure (laughs) so they've been really cool as well and the same thing really very we're all we all kind of started at the same time which was nice because we're all you know it seems like we're so kind of learning some of this stuff together and we can you know go in and give them some inventory and we can bounce ideas off each other for different things or events or you know content we want to produce and it's cool because you feel like you're not being degraded it's more of like an actual you know, give and take learning experience with some of these shops, which I've, that's been probably the most fun thing about it. Yeah, for sure. With that, obviously you can get your stuff online too, even though we talked about being in person is really the way to go for, but for people like myself um, that are located in other parts around other parts of the country, even around the globe, you do uh, stock your stuff online, correct? Yes. Yeah, we stock everything online. We'll ship pretty much anywhere in the world. Honestly, we've we've sent stuff to Spain, Italy, Canada. You know, you name it. Sometimes it's obviously a little cost prohibitive for some of those folks to buy a shirt, and the shipping costs more than the shirt costs. So that's that's one of the hurdles we're you know trying to get through with not really advertising or doing anything crazy in markets we know it's not going to be cost effective to get it there. So we're really sticking right now to. North America, as far as you know, U.S., Mexico, Canada, places that are easy to easy to get it to at a decent cost. But yeah, even in um, the springs here, we we offer free local delivery. Like if one of the shops doesn't carry one of the things that we have, like say they wanted a new hat that we you know released, it, hey, if you're within ten miles of town, we'll one of the one of the rad crew will deliver it to your door in a day, which has been cool because it's. People are like, I ordered that three hours ago. Yeah, well, here you go. <laughs> so that's that's been fun. That's been really fun. That's good customer service right there. It's almost better yeah. than Eat. It's like better than Eat Street. Yeah, yeah. That's that's been fun because yeah, we get we get those reactions a lot, especially with folks that have never ordered from us before. This is their first kind of interaction with Rad, and you know, hey, what? Give me give me a day. It'll be be at your house. It's, so that's been really cool to help kind of supplement the shops not having to you know commit to carrying our entire inventory which is you know a huge ask of anybody but we can also still fulfill the needs outside of there without cannibalizing our own dealers that you know we trust so much yeah for sure so on the topic of communities are you guys involved or actually let me let me back up in your travels I don't know how much you have traveled. Obviously, you've traveled to Sedona because we've talked about that twice. But are there any places that stick out to you as a really good or rad trail community? Well, obviously, yeah, the guys in Sedona, the amount of you know trail building and 
things that are going on there are really cool to see. It was it's crazy because the most work I've seen and you know community involvement has been here, honestly, in Colorado Springs. Um, obviously, you're seeing some new really cool stuff in Denver with the uh, downhill specific trails like Floyd Hill and I think it's Hard Money, the new trail they did, but near Blackhawk. That's been really cool to see. But it's also just the amount of work that's that I've seen over the past 10 years in Colorado Springs has been insane with even just the amount of new riders coming in, but also the amount of new trails being built and the community around it all has been awesome. Uh, like I was saying, Routes Outfitters, they have a cool little spot right by this open space called Red Rocks Open Space. And they have a... that One of their friends opened a, ta- a mountain bike-oriented tap house right two doors down so that's been the coolest thing is being able to now you have a routes outfitter demo day with their fleet of bikes rad can come and you know see the community and you're having that you know that hub essentially for the tap room to kind of kick off all these cool events so they've hosted everything from they do a wednesday trailblazers ride which you know brings out 150 riders easy uh, i mean the, the tap room looks like sturgis for mountain bikes after after these rides it's crazy and they've done a lot of stuff with uh the local uh, trail building teams here medicine wheel trail advocates and they've been able to kind of bring all these these different pieces together to not only bring folks together help build new trails help maintain the trails but also, I think, make it more fun. I think that's what sometimes people don't want to necessarily do because they think they're going to you know, swing a shovel for eight hours, get a ham and cheese sandwich and say, see you later, where now it's a lot more. It's fun to go out and you know, chat with folks and maintain the trails and build new stuff because then you're like, okay, no, we're going to go back to Trails End afterwards. Like, you, know, you can talk shop with folks. It's, it, that's been the coolest part is seeing these almost hubs get built of trail building communities which has been awesome to be a part of yeah yeah and you just hit on a good topic so yeah i've been involved with volunteer trail building in my uh, local community for for many years and whenever we have volunteer trail work which is weekly just like what you've described we have a handful of rules or maybe i should say we have two rules we have two rules one rule is we always want we we always push safety right because you have you want people coming back not injured so that's like rule number one Rule number two is have fun. Like we get, we go there to do something, but you have to have fun. So if we get yeah. like almost nothing done, <laughs> but everybody had fun, that's still uh-huh. a win. Yeah. You know, so I yeah. think that's something every, every trail organization should really strive for. And, you know, I don't, I haven't heard a lot of trail organizations that aren't having fun, but like to actively push fun, you know, take breaks. Mm-hmm. You know, be like really be social with the people that you're working with, you know, because that's why we all came here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been the coolest part of seeing how people will actively want to come out now because they know there's going to be fun and activities and the camaraderie of, you know, the cycling community while you're getting something done, which, again, I think that was always a barrier for people where it was like, okay, it's weird Facebook post from some guy I've never met. We're going to do some trail maintenance on this one part of the trail and then go home. And 
yeah, there's just nothing around it kind of thing, which it needs to be done. But I think it's they've made it much more effective to have fun and actually get stuff done and, you know, cleared up, you know, huge water runoffs and stuff like nobody wants to do that. Let's be honest. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to just shovel dirt into a hole <laughs> for four hours. But yeah, they've done a very good job at, you know, really bringing everybody together and wanting to actually come back over another time. And they do a lot of cool stuff with having donations and, uh, we're going to start doing that as well when we go to these events with them is, hey, every, you know, 10% or, you know, whatever it may be uh, of each sale we give to Medicine Wheel or, or, you know, BLM and to help kind of fund these communities and organizations to help, you know, continue it further. Yeah. Which is super important because, you know what, without those trails, we couldn't ride all day. Exactly. Yeah, we <laughs> we're trying to actively <laughs> make, make our own prophecy. Here. <laughs> yeah, and there's you know there are more companies coming around, obviously, um, in the last few years to that, but I still think there's a ton of room for the mountain bike industry to really embrace, you know, trails and where trails are at because it it helps sales, and we've seen it. We saw it through COVID. Numbers have skyrocketed. Trails are, um, while we're getting a lot more trails online and the trail building industry is booming, the trails that we have are definitely feeling more pressure from the people using them, whether it's mountain biking, hiking, or whatever other allowed uses are out there. You know, the fact that trails are getting that kind of pressure is a good thing, but we also need to stay on top of maintenance and stay on top of uh, building more trails because people, people obviously want them. Yeah. And even just like the other stuff, like infrastructure, like, okay, you you got the trails, now do you have parking for these people and being able to fund the actual, you know, what the brass tax side of it is, okay, you got a thousand people coming to this, where are they going to park? Are they going to impede traffic? You know, yeah, making sure that, yeah, everyone is funded to make sure this all flows cohesively when these things are built. Like we just saw a huge uh, improvement with, the local area here that everyone goes is all Gold Camp and Cheyenne Canyon and this you know, the trail is called Captain Jack's and it's super awesome area. Uh, but it was always a dirt road with a dirt parking lot to get up to it. And you it just utter mayhem when you don't put a parking line in front of somebody. We you know There's cars parked a mile down on a one-way road and you can't even get up it without almost driving off a cliff on <laughs> some of the parts. So that that was one of the huge things that I just saw that, okay, this thing's finally paved. There's parking spots and it, you know, it provides a little more order to the chaos as far as the trail use with all these different, you know, like you said, hikers and bikers and you, you can dirt bike on Captain Jack. So even those folks as well with, all right, you got a place to unload the dirt bike. No, now you do before it was just kind of, again, it's mayhem. Now that it's a little bit more orderly and, efficient i would say as far as that's concerned yeah yeah that, that i mean that's so important we get and even i'm super guilty of this we get so focused on trails um but you do have to have that the other infrastructure around it you know it's like you just said parking is huge uh potentially you know yet we, we see trail heads now getting changing facilities out of them at least at least just like changing blinds i mean some people uh-huh. like if you're traveling you're not necessarily traveling in your gear right mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. uh and if we can conceal some people from getting naked wherever to get their riding gear on that's, <laughs> that's always a good thing but you know water also is a huge thing right having a water fountain you know at your trailhead or mm-hmm. you know mapping i mean mapping is 
And mapping is is yeah. is a uh, as simple as it sounds. It's a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of I, I think it's nice here because the a lot of the trail systems here are so established for so many decades to where you don't until you start getting way up there. It, there's nothing that's too too bad as far as not having already been mapped. You know, a thousand times. Uh, but we're he said we're even seeing stuff where yeah okay now they have bathrooms okay now that and that's just a barrier to entry I think for some riders to where you might have converted somebody who never tried cycling to maybe want to give it a try because they don't feel the pressures of oh I got to change in my car now and then this you know it's just another barrier to entry that's that's eased which is nice because you're seeing so many new riders especially here that you know ten years ago that was never. You could ride through Palmer Park and see two people. Now you're seeing 15, which is awesome. And yeah, but I think too, like education is huge with knowing that there's a lot of folks that don't know yep. proper trail etiquette and that kind of thing. So it's, it's, I think it's just an all huge cohesive thing that really it can do no wrong by having more resources and more funding towards these things. Yep. Yeah. You've totally hit on a topic that both in the previous episode that came out that's live right now with Devin O'Neill that we recorded out of Breckenridge, who talked about growth and how growth can be a, well, it's a positive thing, also has its negative side effects. And the same thing with uh, another episode that's coming out on Kingdom Trails. You know, it's a town of 800 people. And yet when they have Nimba Fest up there in the Northeast, which they're not hosting anymore at Kingdom Trails, but when they did at its peak was 4,300 people showing up. How do you stick mm-hmm. 4,300 people in a community of 800? over a weekend yeah it doesn't it doesn't work <laughs> you know and, <laughs> or it doesn't work well <laughs> you know and so that's where that infrastructure that isn't trail specific but specific to having good trails uh-huh is super helpful and it helps you know the locals obviously like it and that's why that a lot of trail systems start because of that local need and local desire mm-hmm. especially in larger communities but you know and obviously there is a huge tourism aspect to trails as well but you know we want to impact the locals as least as we can and, and be a, and complement the community, not degrade the community. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's been nice to see too, because Colorado Springs is such a touristy place with, you know, we have Pikes Peak and Garden of the Gods and the Olympic Training Center, you know, all these cool things that people, yeah. you know, come to see. Yep. yep. But it's, it's the Air Force Academy is there, great. I believe, as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So many different things they can see and do. And, it's just nice to have rad because we can kind of help contribute to these communities while still growing our business. And it's just, it's all come full circle. For sure. Well, do we have any, do you have any advice, closing comments or anything else that you want to hit on before we, uh, before we send this one down the road or down the trail? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In terms of starting a business, it's, there's going to be so many highs and lows that you're going to experience in, Everything from, oh, we didn't get a sale today to, oh, now we have a new dealer. It's, it's going to be so manic that you're going to want to either give up or stop trying as hard because it's so crazy. Uh, my best advice would be to not. It'll all work out in the end because we've seen it and had all the highs and lows you can imagine. And seeing it from the other side now where things are flourishing and growing and it, it's been much more, you know wonderful to ride it out than it would have had all the what ifs of the world and oh what if we kept going and done this and that and 
that's that's my biggest advice is just don't stop if you actually love it and want to continue with it don't stop just keep going keep revising new ideas and it'll work out yeah a small step is still a step Mm -hmm. exactly so cool ryan thank you very much cool thanks for having me thank you for listening links for the various topics discussed on the show can be found in the show notes if you like what you've heard please take the time to share these shows with others Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, please remember to leave a comment and rate the show wherever you consume your podcasts. This podcast has been made possible by Mountain Bike Radio, Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and is an Evolution Trail Services production. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.